0: Welcome to Once Upon a Time in Newbor. Hello and welcome everybody to the second episode of Once Upon a Time in Ball by the two film dudes. My name is Gustavs. And I'm Ali. And in case you're tuning in for the first time... The concept of what we're doing here is every two weeks, me and Ali pick a movie to talk about for 40 or so minutes. And in the end, rate the movie on a scale from one to 35 in honor of the 35 millimeter film stock. And this week's lucky film is
1: the classic by Quentin Tarantino. The one about his favorite light bulb in a suitcase is Pulp Fiction. (laughs) Uh, Pulp Fiction is a movie starring Samuel L. Jackson, John Travolta, and Bruce Willis in a non-linear gangster movie. It is by far one of the coolest movies ever to be made, and it put Quentin Tarantino on the map as one of the greatest American filmmakers of the 21st century. So, Gustav,
0: excited for this? I mean, this was, I feel like this was inevitable, Yeah, this movie. You You just can't escape it if you enter the movie realm. So I am I am actually excited though. This movie is this movie is very special to me I feel like everybody who knows me knows that this movie is uh by far my favorite movie and is the movie that kind of got me into good movies and actually Appreciating movies when I first watched it with my dad when I was 13 or 14 Yeah, I was around the same age before that I didn't Take movies that seriously, but I watched this and then I understood that cinema can be something special and I just gained a Completely new respect for the movie But I think we should I think we should start this off by actually not talking about the movie Let's talk about let's talk about the movie about when it came out and its place in the cinema history Before we dig into the movie. So it's 1994 Quentin Tarantino is Almost almost a no-name. Not really. I mean, he had written True Romance. He had yeah. uh, directed his debut, Reservoir Dogs, which was pretty popular and uh, had a bunch of cool guys in it. And this was his second movie. He wrote it with Roger Avery. Of course, both of them got the Oscar for the best original screenplay for this masterpiece. It did. And it's the 90s. It's... Just cool movies coming out all, all around, you know? What do you think about that?
1: I, I really love the 90s. Like, 90s America, like, I love, like, the movie feel you get from it. Like, you have, like, uh, like, uh, like New York gangsters. You have The Mob. You have The Godfather. You have all these great gangster movies, you know? Like, I feel like Gangster is sort of a parody of the American dream, Uh, you know, cause the American dream work hard, have a wife, have a family, live, live Liberty, long live America, that type of thing, you know, but I feel like uh, being a gangster is sort of a parody to it because, you know, you're getting rich off of, you know, being doing bad things, doing bad things, and you're having a good time about it. And eventually it just starts to become normal. And you can see that like in the movie, like, uh, Vincent Vega and Jules, just sort of talk about like burgers and McDonald's just before they're about to like kill like three dudes. Like, <laughs> yeah. I really, I really
0: like gangster movies in general. Like, no, no, gangster movies are awesome, of course. It's, I mean, it's the 90s, it's it's the pinnacle of cool movies, I think. And I mean, it even, Pulp Fiction came out on the same day in the US as Shawshank Redemption. Really? And I think, yeah, and I think that already sort of sh- shows by itself what what kind of a what kind of a time for cinema that was uh, in the USA and all over the world it's just just great cinema all around we were born in the wrong decade man i swear oh don't don't start with this <laughs> <laughs> it's it's we still have good movies coming out today but pulp fiction if we if we dig right into it it's so different than you know we discussed fight club last time and uh, we sort of went so you know, it's a movie where you just have to go deep with the philosophical and psychological and sort of try to try to get what, what they're trying to tell us. And Pulp Fiction is just the complete opposite. <laughs> it's, 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 but it's, it's, it's in a good way. It's just a bunch of characters. I feel like this is every Tarantino movie, though, kind of. <laughs> it's just a bunch of characters in this world that's this really rich, vibrant, colorful, saturated world they're just doing their thing, you know? They're just, like, they just have an agenda. They're living. They're talking like normal human beings about burgers and foot massages. And they're just doing their thing. And it's so magical. And it's, I mean, some people say that, I f- some people watch Pulp Fiction and they say that nothing happens. And the same, I feel like uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood gets the same critique. It's, it's, people say that, Nothing happens, it's just a bunch of people doing a bunch of random things. And I think it's kind of sad that a bunch of people can't appreciate these types of movies because, you know, you're so you're so used to the classical Hollywood movie three-act system where, you know, you're introduced to these characters, everything goes good, then everything goes to shit, and then in the end everything resolves itself. But... It's just these types of movies, you know, they give you a completely different vibe, but they give you an experience. I I know it sounds really cliche to say it, but I feel like Tarantino gives you an experience, you know? He really does. I mean, with those movies, all you have
1: is, all right, here's your characters. You start to like them. You start to like them. Whoa, cool action scene. Oh, no, it's going... Things are going badly. Oh, no, oh, no. Wait, the good guys succeed. And ending. Like... Those types of movies, you turn off your brain, you watch them, you enjoy them, yeah? They're not bad movies. But these movies, they give you something else entirely. It, it, I, I'm going to give it the same type of line, a gay fight club. It's human, you know? Human, yeah, like, life isn't, uh, you know, a uh, plot line, you know? It, it goes left, right, sideways, uh, three-directional movements. Like, you can't have life, like, normally following a structure,
0: you know? Life is unstructured, you know, you kind of have to just go with it. And Tarantino gives so much richness to his characters with these with his dialogue. Of course, everybody everybody talks about his dialogue all the time. And but it is it it is. I mean, there's a reason we talk about it. You know, he he introduces his characters with this dialogue. That's the way he chooses to give them character. It's even it's even in the movie in the end when uh, Harvey Keitel, uh, the wolf, he um he he goes to the to the Joe's uh, monster truck uh, whatever thingy and he tells he tells uh, Joe's daughter that just because you are a, are a character doesn't mean you have character so and i feel like Tarantino it's 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 clearly a thing he really values and is it's important to him that his characters have character i i i
1: love the dialogue in this movie it's so good Tarantino has a way with movies in where he takes, like, the dullness in human conversation and then uh, he, like, removes it entirely. He takes everything that's great about conversation and hypes it up tenfold. Like, one of my favorite scenes from the movie is when Vega and uh, Mia, Mia Marcellus, uh,
0: yeah, I was just about to say when they talk about the silence and yeah, in, in the dialogue, comfortable
1: silence, you know. I've always felt yeah. that, like you know, like I really like someone I can share a
0: nice silence with, you know. And that's that's the thing. His characters are so relatable. You even, I mean, none of us are none of us are gangsters, and we are. Speak for gangsters. yourself, man. <laughs> of course, but we aren't gangsters' wives, and we aren't boxers. But you know. We still relate with these characters. I mean, when you're driving in a car with your buddy, you talk about, like, your trip to Amsterdam. You talk about, you know, why, like, a, a quarter pounder is called a royale with cheese. You just talk about these random things. That's how, that's how human conversation works. Not everything, not every conversation has a meaning. It just doesn't work that way. And, you know, when making movies, you're used to this uh, sort of quote-unquote rule that every shot and every line has a purpose and it is true, but no, no, no. I mean, it kind of is true though, uh, because I mean, these line, this dialogue has purpose. It's just not that, you know, it's not, it's not that, uh, it's not that easy. It's not that clear, you know, not everything is black or white. It's just that this, this dialogue, it doesn't serve maybe a purpose so so it, it's not that purposeful to the story, but it still it, it gives you the sense of these characters and you relate with them. And then you like the movie much more because you feel so much more immersed into it. Okay, I can agree
1: with that. I mean, yeah, every everyone's like, oh yeah, wow, look at this shot, how useless. Like, no, it's meant to give you something. It's meant to give you a feeling. <laughs> it's meant to illustrate something, meant to show you this, meant to show you that. Like... One of my favorite shots from this movie has to be, uh, uh, well, it's not one of my favorite shots. It's just a shot I really like. It's uh, in the drug dealer's house uh, when there's a wide lens and they're, like, talking over Mia's body. And you just see all, like, in the background. You can, like, feel oh. <laughs> the house. You feel the house is lived in. Like, they could have just done, like, a close-up of them talking to each other, right? And then just cut from one to the other as they were conversing. But Tarantino gave that a wide shot. You know, he wanted to show like the uh, the area they're in, the atmosphere that it is. You know, uh, uh, you know, because you know, when you're talking to someone in life, do you just look at them and only focus on them? No, you look around. You you smell the air. And I really like that shot because you know, some people said, yeah, why do not they just? That's like really disgusting. His house is
0: gross. I'm like, no, it's not. It's just a human house. It's just there. And that's the thing, this movie is so real, it's just, and it's. I think it's also because, kind of, because of the small budget, you know, I mean, it's, they're pretty limited, so they actually had to use these real things, but it's a good thing, this movie is so real, every house they're in, every bar they're in, it feels real, and every character feels real, the whole movie just feels like, even though the, the events that happen in the movie seem pretty bizarre, it feels like it could happen, you know, because Fight Club is obviously a com- complete fiction, but oh, it, yeah. uh, not in a bad way. But this movie is, that's why I'm saying it's the complete opposite. It's completely real. It's so real. It's just the story story from life. It feels like Tarantino is just retelling something he experienced. I I actually just searched this up. The budget for this movie was only eight million dollars. That is crazy because still, you know, know, Tarantino was uh, an independent sort of- it was a pretty independent movie and uh, they didn't pay the- they didn't pay the actors a lot even though Bruce Willis was like a household name already. John Travolta not really, and Samuel L Jackson was also only on the rise, but Bruce Willis was definitely a big star, and it, but it's still, yeah, they got to they, they basically they basically made it a small budget movie and they made it work, and now it's, now it's just pulp fiction. Everybody knows it. It's pulp fiction.
1: Yeah, like how, how have you not gone through life knowing this movie, knowing what it means to people in film? It's one of the, like, must-watch films in, like, your life. I'm trying to get my family to watch it because I'm the only one who's seen it. And I'm trying to get my friends to watch it. But, like, unless they're, like, total film nerds, none of them have seen it. So, it's kind of disappointing how not a lot of
0: people have seen it. No, I I remember when my dad showed it to me when I was 13 or 14. I, like, two weeks later, max, I... Grab my friend, my best friend. I was like, "You're staying over at my place. I gotta show you something," and we watched the movie together, and he loved it just as much as I did. And uh, I'm I'm I mean I'm I'm so happy I did that because you know these it's it's such an important movie, and uh, I yeah I agree with you. Everybody should watch it because it's just it's just yeah it's just it just has this such a great such a great magic and value to it. It's so great. One of the one of the other things I really like about it is uh is the is the Butch storyline.
1: I have to say that's my favorite storyline of it.
0: I was just about to ask, like which 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 story is your favorite? I I love the character arc that Jules has through.
1: You know, like he finds like he believes he sees like the the missed gunshots as a sign of uh divine intervention and sees his life. And sees his life like it needs to take a new direction, he needs to stop the gangster. And uh but I have to say that Butch storyline was so weird and funny and like human. It was
0: amazing. And yet it's so meaningful. Like exactly. what we, we start off with the with the Christopher Walken monologue, which is so great. Such oh, a good monologue. I love Christopher Walken's voice. I know it's so soothing and how, how he just he goes from this pretty emotional story. He's just like, yeah, your grandfather hit it in his asshole. And and he, he it's just such a great story. and it has such such meaning, this watch. It's such a meaningful item in the movie. It's such a symbol. And how how I mean, afterwards, Butch, you know, all of his uh, ancestors have gone through so many troubles and so much pain to get this watch to the next generation. And now Butch has to, you know, go through through his through his obstacles when he has to get the watch. This is, you know, going uh, going back, uh, going back to his apartment and meeting Marcellus and, you know, uh, killing Maynard and Zed. That's his world war. You know, that's his that's his hide, quote unquote, hiding the watch in the asshole thing. It's so meaningful. But yet, also at the same time, as you said, it's so quirky and funny. When, when you were watching this, did you really expect them to pull a gimp out of a freaking box? At that point in the movie, it was past halfway. I didn't expect, like, I had, like, I was just, I didn't, I wasn't surprised by anything anymore. This movie, I was just like, okay, movie, <laughs> show me, sh- show me things. <laughs>
1: What I what I really like in the movie is when he's like about to go save Marcellus again. Like we can talk about the morality of that. I just want to talk about it in a literal sense. When he looks like he's picking a weapon, he's a kid at a candy store. I swear to god, I would have done the
0: same thing I if know. I saw a katana. I would have grabbed it and murdered them. It is so I mean, first of all, we know we know Tarantino's obsession with Asian culture. I mean, he loves he loves it. But on a second note, you know, it's so funny these it's not the only time in the movie when this happens when we know that Marcellus is getting raped in the basement and uh Butch is just spending his valuable time picking a weapon like like you said like a kid in a candy store same thing you know when when um, Vincent is uh driving Mia when she's ODing to uh, to the drug dealer's house and he's he's sort of he's sort of like fuck Vince Vince was it or something? No. I don't remember dealer? his name. Yeah. Lance. Lance, not Vince. Anyway, he's like, Lance, pick up, pick up, and he's so stressed while Lance is just watching a cartoon eating cereal. <laughs> these these contrasts between such like stress and such like like so being so chill. Tarantino completely makes fun of these characters while at the same time being real, because that's also how it happens in real life. Sometimes Time is just so contrasted while somebody is in stress, You're just completely relaxed and like, don't give a, don't give a shit about anything. Yeah. Like while
1: I was uh, sleeping, someone could have been like, you know, cr- fighting like in Afghanistan, like crossing a minefield. And there I am just sleeping, eating my uh, granola cereal.
0: I mean, that's a pretty, ex- that's a pretty, that's a pretty big extreme, but yeah, yeah you're big, right. Yes, like you, you are completely right. But yeah, no, but the, the example is there, obviously and tarantino i love it it just it's so nice this contrast and it makes it's so funny how these characters like are just yeah, the complete opposite did you
1: like like tarantino actually like played in his own film like he was pretty good
0: i mean that's the thing though he studied acting and uh, uh he has he has said many times that he's really happy he studied acting instead of instead of directing because it made him first of all understand actors much much better and uh, how to work with them what 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 they feel how what's their work like And on a second note, uh, he th- sort of just thought it was a really valuable uh, h- humane experience to sort of understand because acting is the study of humans you know you study yourself as a as a physical and mental, human and uh, he he has said that yeah he sort of acting made him understand and uh, you know and he acts in his own movie and I love I love his character I think that's also one of my favorite uh, uh, one of my favorite scenes in the movie just the whole uh, the whole the whole scene in uh, Tarantino's house where <laughs> they're cleaning up the car and the wolf I mean the wolf such a cool <laughs> character the wolf is the best Harvey Yo, he Pino. reminds
1: me of a he reminds me—it's—it's it's a bit of Godfather with a bit of Goodfellas in there, you
0: know. I know it's yeah. That's that's actually a pretty good mix. Yeah, he is—he's so cool. He's the coolest yeah. guy ever, and I feel like he could take care of anything. He could fix anything. Harvey. He looks like is Robert De Niro. Awesome. He kind of does, but I'm happy it was—it wasn't De Niro, but it was Harvey Keitel. Nobody else could have played it better. It's such a great character.
1: <laughs> I love I love it when he's like, okay, and the names are, yeah, okay. The house is 30 minutes just, away.
0: I'll be there in 10. I know. It's so great. I love it. And uh, the whole scene is so perfect. And how how Tarantino makes, you know, the gourmet coffee. It's, uh, you know, some gourmet shit. I, I love all of it. Every line in the movie, every word that Tarantino and Roger Avery have chosen every word is perfect no other word could replace any word like you know
1: what i i like in most gangster movies you see you only see gangsters and they're only obstacles cops right like hey, yo jimmy take him around the back but hide him so like the cops don't find him but like in like in the in the movie here his wife <laughs> has to he they have to hide it from his wife you know they're like all right we got
0: they have to hide it from his All wife. Right, we got yeah. 20
1: minutes. Let's go hide. Let's go. Let's go hide a body. But from who? My wife. If she finds it, I'm divorced.
0: No marriage counselor. No No custody. Just divorced. And I don't want to get freaking divorced. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's not like they're going to have any trouble with cops or anything. It's just that we literally have the situation where uh Tarantino characters, Jimmy, Jimmy's wife is coming home and he doesn't get away. want to get divorced. And that's the problem of the of the story. There's no actual like I mean, I don't wanna say that it's not a problem, but comparing to getting arrested for life, I mean, getting put in prison for life, that's not a problem. But you know, that's the problem here. And it's again, so such so humane, so human. Yeah. I know. It's it's such a real-life situation.
1: Yeah. It's like, you know, it's like when you break something and, like, it's like when you break something, you're like, oh, no, my mom's coming home. I gotta hide this real quick. Like, you can relate to these characters. Like, these characters, this movie, everything about this movie is relatable in some way or another. That's why it's amazing. And I I, I know we've probably covered this, but I really want to get back to it because there's a lot to cover. The dialogue in this movie... C'est magnifique!
0: Yeah. Any word, every word fits perfectly and every line says something about and reveals something about the character or the characters. It's, it's, it's amazing. I, these characters have such soul, such such richness to them. They feel like people you would want to meet in real life. They don't feel like movie characters. They feel like, you know, the people you actually see in L.A.
1: And I like how they impact the story as well. Like you see Vince and uh, you see uh, Vince and Jules just talking in the car and like they're talking so nonchalantly about like like killing five guys, Royale with cheese and like the audience. Like, yeah, of, of course, Tarantino loves his violence, but like, you know. The audience, like, they get also like kind of desensitized. They also act nonchalant when like he kills them in that. You know? They take you that's take on true. the that's attitude of true. the characters. And I love that. That just shows how like relatable they are. And it's I I just love it so much. Like
0: words barely describe my joy. And that and then this dialogue, I mean the way the way this dialogue is so great. That's how the movie, that's the main reason the movie has gotten such cult. Such a cult, symbolic, you know, title. So, that's why it has become this cult classic. All, so many memorable and just amazing lines that are now, like, everybody knows of. Royale with cheese, everybody knows that it's Pulp Fiction. The Ezekiel 2517 Bible verse, which is not actually from the I Bible. I am the foot master, mother effer. Yeah, I mean, that's it's just... <laughs> Ezekiel 25 cents such
1: as samuel L. jackson thing i know to say. I mean,
0: samuel L. jackson he's such a great guy and he's so amazing in this movie i mean honestly every actor in this movie did such a great job including tarantino i and i'm so happy yeah, that travolta got his career sort of re sort of re, no revived i mean it was he sort of he was going pretty well with greece you know but then it kind of it was kind of falling down i mean yeah, so I'm just really happy he got his career out of this movie. He deserves it, and he was great in the movie. He he's a bit he's he's just a tiny bit douchey. I think that's but just, I like it. Yeah, it's like the douchey that like you can like respect, you know. Yeah, he is like a bit annoying at times, but I still love him. He 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 really he's also such a rich character, and he you know, he's when he gets like kind of you're not pissed but kind of annoyed about the five dollars shake. Yeah. That's a five dollar shake. Things. Does it have bourbon in it? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like how he, how he sort of how like, cause that's what a normal person would do. They would also be like surprised about a five dollar shake. I I I'm, I love every character in this movie. It's so great.
1: I mean, what I really like about uh Vince's character, I mean uh, Ter- uh Travolta's character, is just you know he's just really just kind of like. He's also kind of based off Tarantino a little bit, because Tarantino, uh, he actually, like, after he uh, f- finished Reservoir Dogs, he went to Europe for, like, a summer or something. Yeah, he went to Europe for, like, three months, and he went all around, just like, you know, he wanted to go see, like, alright, is a grocery store in Europe, how is this in Europe, you know? And he wanted to experience pop culture in Europe, and... The reason he says that I like watched an interview or like a talk with him about it. And he said that like pop culture is a shared language. It's something we can all talk about, you know, like this movie, for example, is pop culture, right? Everyone like if you go into the middle of like uh, Latvia, for example, and you just like talk to someone. Hey, have you seen Pulp Fiction? Yeah, of course. You go to Russia. Yeah, of course. Like it's a shared language, something all of us speak, you know. You don't have to be American or uh,
0: British to watch this movie. You can watch it from wherever you're from. Yeah. it's No, that's music, movies, all these things. They they connect us. They, they're they the language all of us speak. And it's such a great thing. Help, yeah, Pulp, fi- Pulp Fiction is this thing you can immediately relate with. A lot of people all around the world you can say one line from the movie and some gourmet shit or Ezekiel twenty five seventeen or royal cheese and like many, many people will instantly understand and you guys instantly have this connection, something you both of you can relate with. It's 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 magical, you know? It's really magical that you can meet a person that you know nothing about, but you have, you can find these these simple things in common.
1: All right. Now to get a little bit back on track to the movie, I want to talk about the the story arc with Vince and uh, Jules. Uh, I really like the way that okay. it's structured, you know, because we see uh, Vince, we see him die uh, during the Butch uh, storyline, right? And, you know and then we see the we see and then afterwards we get the we get the jewel storyline we get the continuance of it right like where they get shot around uh and then you know they clean up the body and that and we know already that uh jewel like vince is going to die and as we see him sort of reject the new uh reject the divine intervention you know we see the consequences of it, like we already see, see it, and that's what nonlinear storytelling is. It allows you to connect the dots before the dots even come in place.
0: I know it's it's. I mean, it's great foreshadowing by Tarantino here. I was just about. I actually wanted to uh, talk to you about this. Yeah, before like the way how. Yeah, Ju- uh, I mean, Vincent rejects the divine intervention, and uh, he. I mean, he gets shot. That's what you get. He did this time. The bullets didn't miss him at all and uh it is it's it's pretty it's i mean
1: it, it that's is, where it's that's so why people like jules more because you know he started to change and you can see that in kind of like the final scene like he says you know i like saying Ezekiel twenty five seventeen because i felt like it was a cool thing to say to a guy but now that i think about it does it mean that you're the good guy and i'm the bad guy and mr nine millimeter here is the evil or does that mean i'm the shepherd and then he's like, you know, I'm trying really hard to be... I'm trying really hard to be a good guy here. So, I, uh, you know, I've had a change of life. A lot of things have happened today. So I'm going to give you this money, and I'm going to ask you to leave.
0: It's so interesting. It's so interesting how how Jules... Jules has such an interesting character arc. As you said, he has so such an interesting character development. How... I mean compared to I mean I I love Vince Vince but he he his character arc is pretty linear to be honest like I mean he doesn't develop as much he's just an interesting character all around and I loved I I love I love meeting him but Jules we go through we go through I mean we just go through that one morning you know it's a few hours of his life and during those few hours his life completely shifts upside down and we experience that and i think that's also i mean the main meaning of the movie of course there's butch and everything else but you know i think that the main main if i had to think pick up one thing that the movie really wants to tell you is the development of Jules and how in about three hours his life has completely changed.
1: One thing I really like about Jules Sorek is kind of how he dies you know I'm, I'm kind of going back to this like it's being human thing like you know he has to use the toilet right like it's such like a like a dumb silly thing to happen right but it happens to you like you're just sitting there like kind of just waiting for something and you're like oh gotta use the toilet and you kind of just you know you leave your gun unattended and you're just reading a book on the toilet relaxing you know yeah it's so
0: interesting though M- 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 toilets have a really important actually toilets are a lot in this movie you know like vince goes to toilet goes to the toilet when he dies vince goes to the toilet in the diner uh, just when just when uh uh honey bunny and pumpkin are starting to rob rob the diner uh like, the toilet, Mia goes to the toilet to snore cocaine toilets, and then Vince goes to the toilet also in uh, Marcellus' house. Actually, Vince goes to the toilet a lot. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> Who
1: knew Vince's Vince's story arc was toilets? He he goes at the most inopportune times, but then again, isn't that what the toilet is for? For the most inopportune
0: times? It is. It is. And I think, wasn't the guy in the apartment, the guy who almost killed him, also hiding in the toilet? Oh, yeah, he was. I mean, I don't know if it was the toilet. Yeah, Maybe he it was. wasn't, But I think it was. And that's... a Toilets Toilets play such an interesting, interesting, interesting part in this movie. And that's, again, just Tarantino being Tarantino. The toilets had a place in an you know? in-depth film analysis. It's, it's great. I honestly... I admire Tarantino so much for these exact things. These small, quirky, ama- just so, so, such little, but such meaningful things. I love it so much. If
1: I had to sum it up in two words, they're just Tarantino things.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just Tarantino. So things. So besides the story arc of,
1: uh, uh, of Jules, what do you think of the one of, like, I know we talked about this already, but, uh, you want to like
0: comment on anything from the Butch storyline? I mean, as I said, the Butch storyline is based on the watch, how how of his of his sort of journey to go through a pile of shit to save this watch. And, you know, this interaction with Marcellus also I feel like this movie is about character arches, you know. I mean, Butch also his life is completely changed. Marcellus's life is completely changed, you know. Both of these characters, they go they go through they go through this thing, they go through this very weird interaction in this um, pawn shop's basement with these two weird creepy dudes. And it's, it's so interesting. I think, I think Butch, I mean, as, of course he doesn't de- like maybe develop as much as a character, but he definitely experience. he definitely like has an experience and it goes through that he goes through. And i like the
1: dialogue he has in the hotel with his wife that part like that felt like really like i felt like i was just like watching a couple like not even acting i know it was uh
0: oh i love i love a potbelly i know the word that comes into my mind is just cute like it's just a yeah it's just a couple like actually being cute with each other it's 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 so great. If you had a pot belly I'd punch you
1: in it and then they just start fighting and I'd kill you yeah. with
0: it. Uh oh, it's just I love I love the French, I love how she's French and <laughs> it's it's such it's so again, I the only word I want to say it's cute. It's like it such, is such a loving such a loving scene, so wholesome uh between, you know, Butch we just saw him kill a man. And now he is this little, like, I don't want to say boy, but, you know, he's just this loving man with his, with his girlfriend. He also does a complete 180, just like, you know, just like Jules did. I want to, you know, do you know what nihilism is? You know what nihilism is, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I feel like this movie has kind of undertones of, like, American nihilism in the 90s, you know? And I feel like it kind of reflects in the story story arc. So, uh, for example, in the taxi, do you see, uh, for example, like, what was it? Like, Fabian, I think her name was, the taxi driver or something, uh, asks her, what does your name mean? And then he's like, I'm American. I'm American, sweetheart. Our names don't mean anything. You know, yeah. and, you know, you see Jules and uh, Vega uh, just start talking like, you know, talking nonchalantly and then just killing lives. You know, nothing matters. This doesn't matter. This doesn't matter. And, you know, you know, from what like I've like read and watched about the 90s, this seemed to be like the sort of characteristics of everyone. And I feel like Tarantino's trying to say that, you know, after, you know, the bullets missed Jules. He saw that he needed to, like, start caring. He needed to stop looking at everything through such, like, a dead lens, you know? That's why he changes. And then, you know, you see Vega, he doesn't change, you know? He still stays the same. He, he still stay the same. And what happens to him is does, sort of, like, yeah. a consequence of nihilism, you know? That's
0: interesting. It's actually, that's, no, I... but that's, that's actually pretty... Now that I think about it, when you mention it, I mean, it, it does kind of seem like the case. It is it's just these characters sort of maybe i mean Jules kind of finds the meaning of life in 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 this in this movie but otherwise than that you know it is kind of nihilism in the sense that yeah these characters they go about their lives but none of them actually mean like a lot you know like we see pumpkin and honey bunny i mean they're just completely regular humans and but their life is like almost completely meaningless
1: exactly what are they doing robbing 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 liquor stores robbing restaurants and
0: and the thing is they're not even killing people so it doesn't leave an impact you know better or worse it doesn't even leave any impact
1: yeah you know nihilism is such like it's very hard to talk about it without like instantly getting depressed
0: No, I mean, the only way to talk about nihilism without getting depressed is in The Big Lebowski. (laughs) Uh, Of course. But... (laughs) No, but the last thing... Not the last, but another thing I really want to talk about with you is the soundtrack of the movie. It's a legendary soundtrack. It's just... I love how... I love how random it is that Tarantino decided to go, just how did he decide just I'm just gonna do surf rock for this movie? <laughs> how do you decide such a thing?
1: Do you know, uh, I actually do you know the song that Vega and Mia danced to?
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I actually sing tell. that song in the shower. I am not joking with you it's a great song every song i love every song in the movie yeah it's they're so great i love you know chuck berry's yeah uh, never can tell you know there's ricky nelson uh waiting in school that we see in the one take uh, the long long take shot and while we're walking around the uh, jack rabbit slims which also such a great set i mean i would love to go to that restaurant I would love to get a burger and a $5 shake in that restaurant.
1: Oh, I would. Oh, yeah, uh, I get I get a really yeah. bloody steak because that's I know I, I have to lie, I, when I was rewatching uh, this uh, when I was rewatching it last night. I looked at that steak and I actually got really hungry and I really actually yeah, I, I was the same I really wanted to go to like a 60s diner, you know, and just yeah. enjoy one of my favorite silence. one of my
0: favorite sets One of my favorite sets in in a movie I would I would love to that restaurant would be my favorite restaurant if it existed And yeah, and then all this all this other surf rock, you know, we have cool in the gang, you know It's jungle boogie of course miser low the theme song that you know now everybody knows now of course everybody knows the Black Eyed Peas song, which I'm not mad about. It's a great song. It's so much fun, but I it's the soundtrack. It's it's such so legendary. I and I I mean it's a known fact that Tarantino does make his movies around his soundtrack, and he he chooses songs very specifically and very carefully for his movies, and I I mean I respect that a lot. I it's it's he he chooses every song so carefully and I mean it shows every song fits perfectly in the movie it's such a great collection I mean girl you'll be a woman soon when Mia is you know singing to it it's just I, I relate to her there I, I, I do the same thing yeah I was I was also kind of singing along and
1: dancing when that happened you know because that's yeah like, you know that's that's what these songs I feel like are supposed to do they're supposed to like get you in a jig get you in the mood same mood the characters are in when they're like listening and dancing to these you know yeah, I feel like that's what Tarantino tries to do with his characters. He tries to make like he tries to like make the audience reflect the characters, uh, kind of not emotions but like mood.
0: Yeah, I mean these. I mean yeah, the surf rock. I th- I mean I don't know what Tarantino was. Uh, what 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 was his his intention with the surf rock? But overall, I mean, it fits the movie's weird. I mean, I want to say weird vibe perfectly.
1: It is a weird movie. It is a
0: weird movie, and it fits the vibe perfectly. Surf Rock is just this... I mean, it's chill, it's relaxed, and it fits the 90s L.A. scene perfectly, I think.
1: Yeah. Like, you watch, like, L.A. Confidential, you watch, like, any of these, like, L.A. gangster movies. Yeah, yeah. You, like, you get a feel for L.A., and, like, this world feels so rich and powerful, and, like, you know... Like, uh... I just really love the the sets and you know the way Tarantino builds his worlds. But Gustav, I have one thing to ask you, and this is one thing I cannot avoid talking about with pulp fiction. What do you think is in the briefcase? I,
0: I think this is the best question to end this on. I think we I mean we have to talk about what's in the briefcase. We have to. I've heard so many theories. I always ask my friends what they think. I mean I've had long talks about this what's in the briefcase I've heard I've watched like a bunch of videos I mean it's my it's one of my favorite discussions ever but what is in the briefcase I mean I think I think what's in the briefcase I actually think it's sort of um I mean this is going to sound pretty cliché and probably like going way too deep but I think it is what I mean, I don't want to say the meaning of life, but it is the thing that Jules finds, and Vincent uh, decides to decides to uh, ignore, reject. Yeah, yeah. reject. Yeah, that's the be- that's the better word. I mean.
1: Yeah, I. I was kind of hoping for a more literal but like I was really like thinking you were going to go for a literal one cuz I wanted to dig into like the metaphorical sense of it. I
0: mean, I don't, I don't I know Tarantino has like even said himself how he he does he's he, he never tells what's in it cuz you know it's for every watch viewer to decide, but I mean, if I do want to go deep, which I, and I like I like, you know, I I'd rather go for the deep explanation rather than the simple literal one. I think, I think it is the meaning of life, even though, I mean, it sounds, that sounds way too philosophical, but I think it is this divine intervention, this, uh, this sort of thing. And I mean, we also see how Vincent, when he first opens the briefcase in the, the, the apartment, he's like, oh yeah, we happy, but he never, he doesn't like, he doesn't go any more about it. And if, I mean, it, it does kind of feel like he doesn't really care. He's just doing the job. Well, Jules is, Jules is really this this really deep person with a rich personality that uh, is sort of ready to accept this thing.
1: Well, when I first saw the movie, my dad was like, "Oh, it's clearly gold," and I'm like, "No, it's an orange light bulb in a case, obviously."
0: I mean, both of those work, yeah. <laughs> it probably was an orange light bulb in the case for that, like reflection, you know. You know, some people. I mean, some people say it's Butch's watch. Oh. Yeah, that's an interesting one. I I but I don't really see how it fits the storyline. But I mean, that's some people do say it's Butch's watch. But I guess that also could be in a symbolical way. You know, this sort of uh, symbol which uh, which you go through a lot of obstacles in life to get to and to uh, keep and pass on to your uh, your uh, your kids.
1: Yeah, I feel like the golden like uh, hallelujah lights coming out of it kind of like add to like the religious undertones of the story, you know? For sure, like, for sure. I for I, sure. I like really like it cuz like, you know, Jules isn't religious, obviously, you know. You can't be a religious <laughs> you can't be a religious like mobster just, just like kills people on the regular, you know? But, you know, he still find he doesn't like he may like I feel like like, he's agnostic, or maybe? Because he's, like, seeing, like, the bullets changing as, like, an act of God, a miracle,
0: a sign to change. And, like, what's... No, I mean, I mean, he... I, I don't think... I think saying he's not religious is a bit too much. He is definitely religious, just not, like, not really religious. He's not, you know...
1: Okay, yeah, I could see that. But, like, like you know, the briefcase is a sort of... Is a sign of, like, you know, protecting what's important, you know? They will... He's gonna fight for this. He's gonna kill for this. Like he would have killed, uh, like Ringo. I'm gonna say Ringo because it's easier than what was his name? Like what was his pet name? Like Honey Bunny or Pumpkin? Yeah, I'm not gonna say Pumpkin. I'm gonna call him Ringo. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, like you know, he holds a gun to Ringo's head. He's like, I've gone through too much shit to get th- to get th- to have you take this away from me, and I'm not gonna let you stop me. You know, like I feel like, you know, it's sort of not purpose, but sort of something worth protecting, you know, change, meaning, you know, that's how I feel it is, you know, with the briefcase, it's such an interesting way, you know, to like show symbolism, you know. Like, you're showing symbolism It, it really without isn't.
0: showing what the symbol is. And Tarantino gives us this pretty simple... I mean, it's not a simple movie, but in a sense that it is a pretty straightforward movie. Like, everything that happens just happens. And there's these characters that live their lives and do these things. But then again, I mean, it does have this mystical, m- mystical briefcase, and that, that changes everything. I mean, it gives this movie this weird energy... That the the briefcase, you know, everybody wants the briefcase and it's Marcellus's briefcase. And uh, yeah, I guess we'll never know. I mean, but it is every time it is interesting to talk about because the more people I mean, as many people, as many opinions about it. I feel like it did the same kind of thing with Fight Club, you know, like that type of thing,
1: you know, that type of like mystery behind it is going to like drum up theories and like make
0: people rewatch it for years on end, you know. But that and that's and that's just how you that's a good movie if if it keeps the discussion going, it's a good movie. It should, I mean, I I mean, it shouldn't just be like you go to the cinema, you walk out, you're like, okay, that was an amazing movie, but you just don't talk about it. It should be like, you want to rewatch it. You want to, you want to understand what these people have, what these people want to tell you with this story, you know, you
1: want to go talk to your friends about it. You're so excited. Like you think about it when you go to sleep and you think about it when you wake up. Like, I feel like that's a sign of a good movie. That's something you can't stop thinking about.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, and yeah, you're no, you're completely right, and uh, I think it's time to talk about how how good, how much, how much it is a good movie. Like, what do you think? How how would oh, the rating? The rating? How how good of a movie is it, Ali? I oh. want you to give your final rating of this movie.
1: You know, I did something a bit premature last time and rated Fight Club thirty five out of thirty five you
0: know yeah you did I, and, as, as, you a, know, as a
1: film as someone who has who's like watches films and interested in film i i know i know that you're not supposed to rate movies 10 out of 10 or something like that but you know it was fight club i was excited for the first episode and it's one of my all-time filmy favorites so i you know i gotta be it's carried fine away. it's i think it's from fine. now on i'll I'm you. follow the philosophy of you know, like an actual <laughs> film critic and like you know judge them you know objectively and you know not give them 10 out of 10 unless you know they're like utterly mind shattering god like I mean it S-S-S-tier. is it is impossible
0: it is impossible to rate movies objectively though No but, yeah I but know. it's fine yeah but it's fine I'll forgive you
1: I have to give this movie out of 35 I have to give it a
0: 33 Okay And why? How come?
1: It's Pulp Fiction, man. (laughs) This movie.
0: (laughs) I like like that
1: answer. I like that answer. (laughs) Like, you know, you have so many, like, memorable lines. You have so many memorable, like, dialogue scenes. Like, English, motherfucker, do you speak it? Like, I say that line, like, every time I talk to one of my friends or, like, you know... I like saying that and it's so fun, you know, just the, and you know, the movie itself, like it gives you like, you can dig like however deep you want to dig into this movie. It's there for everyone. Like you can see it as a cool gangster movie, or you can like take the philosophical meaning meanings of nihilism and apply it to the story. You know, or you could just, you know, see it as a movie about a briefcase with an orange light bulb in it. You know, like this movie is literally for everyone. And it's just one of the perfect gangster movies, perfect movies of the 90s. And it's definitely one of Tarantino's best movies ever made. That
0: is very, very true. I mean, on my behalf, I would I would I would give it I will give it a 33 as well. I mean, it's it's my favorite movie uh of all time i'm not saying it's not the best i don't think it's the best movie that exists but it's my favorite and those are two very different things i mean it's (laughs) it's this movie means so much to me and it's just i'm i'm very biased about it and i'm not ashamed of it Uh, this movie means a lot to me i love it from the bottom of my heart it's i think it's such a great movie and as you said the pop pop culture uh, element of it is so important. It has become such a classic and it's so great. You hear, you know You hear these lines in songs you hear them just quoted daily their memes I mean, it's it's a great movie overall. It's just a great story with rich characters and Real a really interesting storyline and I I love it. I love I love what Tarantino has done with it and I'm so happy he made this movie and also how this movie impacted his career and just launched him into space. Yeah. Like this movie
1: like made him make like some of his other like best films ever. Of course, yeah. And I'm glad that happened.
0: <laughs> no, me too. And then I mean, I would I would consider I would still consider Django uh Trentino's best movie. But I mean Pulp Fiction, it it just has it sort of has a value of its own, you know? It's 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 just you can't ex- you can't put it in words. Such a great movie. I love every 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 second of it.
1: Quick side note: My favorite Tarantino movie is Inglorious Bastards, and I know.
0: <laughs> I mean that's also such a great movie. It's it's up there.
1: It is. But, you know, everyone, you know, everyone's like, no, it's this, it's that and that and that. And I feel like that's a perfect, like, example of Tar- you know, of Tarantino's career, of general.
0: Tarantino's career, you know,
1: Tarantino's career. Like, they're all so good. If you had to pick, like, one of, like, the best Tarantino movies, you'd have a, like, heart attack trying it, it, to it. That's
0: a great discussion for another time.
1: That is a great discussion for another time.
0: So uh, we want to thank you all for tuning
1: in and listening in to us rant about our one of our favorite movies of all time and one of the best movies of all time, I have to say. So... Uh, And, yeah, me and Gustavs are really happy that you tuned in. And we hope you tune in in, 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 again for the the next two weeks for Gustav. You want to tell him?
0: Uh, In two weeks, you guys are going to hear the third episode of Once Upon a Time in Newball by the two film dudes when we're going to be talking about Dark Knight by Christopher Nolan. I hope you guys are excited for that. Stay tuned. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you in two weeks. Peace. Bye.